We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, welcome back, BuzzBeat listeners. I am your host, Spencer Percy, and with me, as always, my BuzzBeat co-host, Richie's Handle Randall. Uh, we are a proud member of the Almighty Baller Podcast Network. Please go and check out all of their awesome shows over at almightyballer.com. Uh, Richie, it looks like the Hornets season is effectively over here. Uh, the playoff hopes are all but gone. Uh, but we are going to focus on some potential draft prospects uh, for Charlotte uh, that are playing in the NCAA tournament starting tomorrow. We're recording this on a Wednesday night, so hopefully you guys will be listening to this uh, as the tournament gets underway on Thursday. Uh, so Richie is a budding draft uh, aficionado, which he's going to talk more about in a second here. But Richie, how's it going, my friend? I'm doing okay. I'm getting over a cold, uh, very sleep-deprived. Uh, but other than that, I'm good. I'll probably have to hibernate. Saturday to catch up on my sleep uh, but like you said I do not watch a lot of college basketball it just isn't my thing I'm a very much a pro basketball fan college football fan uh, so my analysis today is probably not going to be as deep uh, as you guys your your analysis today so uh, just kind of take mine with a grain of salt uh, if you don't hear me talk a lot it's probably because I'm filling out a bracket while I let you guys talk and again guys check us out at queencityhoops.com as well as almightyballin.com for all our latest podcasts and all our latest um, written articles as well in Queen City Hoops. And actually, it's almightyballer.com. Perfect. Um, So also with us tonight, uh, for the second time on this show, a friend of the podcast and an ACC expert, ACC expert and member of Sports Channel 18. So some of their stuff is the best out there uh, if you're an ACC fan or really just a North Carolina sports fan in general. The very talented Brian Geisinger. It's great to have you back, Brian. So you were in Brooklyn for the ACC tournament. How was it? It was a lot of fun. Uh, maybe maybe even too much fun uh, some of the nights after the the games. But no, that was it was quite the experience. I've gotten, I've been lucky enough to cover that event in Greensboro, Washington, D.C., and now Brooklyn. This is my first time ever being in New York City, too. 
And so the, the event was a lot of fun. The games were incredible. And it was maybe even more fun getting to meet up with friends, explore the city, uh, go out in, in Brooklyn and Manhattan. Uh, it, it was an awesome experience. And uh, again, like Richie, I've, uh, I'm, I'm nursing a little bit of a cold this week because I, uh, I think I did harm to my immune system with uh, a, lack of, a lack of sleep a week ago. So I'm trying to catch up on sleep. That's a little tough when you got brackets in March Madness. And the NBA season going on at the same time here. But, you know, we're making it all work. And, again, Brooklyn was great. I can't wait to do it again in 12 months, seriously. That's awesome. So for the sake of what we're going to do in this podcast, talk about some um, some draft prospects for the Hornets. Tell me your favorite player you saw in Brooklyn. Hands down. Uh, I, I've, lucky, I've been lucky enough to see this guy up, up close a fair amount covering Duke games this year. Well, without question, it was Jason Tatum. Uh, the the forward for the Duke Blue Devils, he's been kind of getting better almost as the season goes along. He's gotten healthier and better, and, and it's almost like the he's speeding up as the game is kind of slowing down around him. And he was really flashing this, this uh, a passing game in Brooklyn that no one had really even seen. In fact, Coach K commented on that after a couple of a couple of games. But he was the best player at the tournament, and he was the most exciting to watch. On and off the ball, he was he was terrific. He ended up, uh, I believe, uh, Kennard ended up coming away with the the tournament MVP. But it uh, maybe should have been Jason Tatum. He was spectacular in Brooklyn. It really just did a little bit of everything. It was impressive to watch. He is absolutely the total package. Uh, he's an NBA prospect, NBA scout, uh, wet dream. And I mean, depending on what happens in this tournament. There's a real chance that Jason Tatum, I think, could climb into that top two. I, I think a lot of people, the the vast majority, think right now, you know, it, it's Fultz and then it's Ball at one two. But mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I, I just think Tatum is not out of that conversation yet, and that's why this NCAA tournament to me, Brian, is going to be so exciting because there are more guys. I think with more to prove and more ground to make up in draft stock in this tournament than I can remember in a really, really long time. And we're going to get into all that. But if you're an NBA fan, this tournament is great because of what I just said. But if you're a basketball fan, this tournament is great just because it's the best sporting event uh, in the world, I think, to me. Uh, But before we get into the actual purpose of the episode and really get into the meat of all this, uh, I just want to take a moment to make a big announcement regarding the future of BuzzBeat and the Almighty Baller Podcast Network Uh, And that is that the Almighty Baller Podcast Network has struck uh, a deal and a partnership with Dash Radio. And and we'll have more details and more specifics to come out about that. Uh, But you're going to have more ways to listen to all your favorite Almighty Baller uh, podcast on the go. Um, And and so just kind of wait and uh, and follow Richie and I, obviously, and then make sure you're following BuzzBeat. And we're going to keep you in tune with all those specifics. But we're really, really excited. I know I speak on behalf of the whole network. Um, to have struck this deal and, and have a partnership with Dash Radio. So um, make sure you kind of stick around and, 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 and get more details on that later. All right, guys. Well, let's get right into it. <clears throat> and where I want to start, and Brian, I'll kind of say a few words about this game we saw last night and then throw it to you. Uh, Wake Forest uh, took on Kansas State last night. And I thought you, we've seen one of the NBA prospects that played last night and had a really good game, and that's John Collins, um, the front court. Um, behemoth for Wake this year and really single-handedly I think well not single-handedly but he was the number one reason that Wake Forest and, and Danny Manning 
really made a leap uh, this season and got into the NCAA tournament for the first time in a long time. You may know how long it's been, Brian. But um, So they were knocked out last night by Kansas State in what was a pretty competitive game. Collins scored 26 points. He was 9 of 13 from the field. He had nine rebounds. Four of those were offensive. Uh, <laughs> when I watch Collins play, especially in Wake Forest offense, which is a very powerful offense, I feel like he – doesn't get as much touch. I think he should get more touches around the basket than he actually does. I always hoped this season that Wake would find a way to run more offense through Collins, which I'm not really sure they ever did. And I think that was on full display last night. But just the fact that he's still able to get 26 points, you know, he's still able to impose his will on the glass, get those four offensive rebounds, get puts back, get putbacks. Um, I'm not, you know, I feel like there's a lot of things we haven't seen from Collins, especially on the offensive end. So I'm not sure how to project him right now, but with his motor, um, you know, with his lateral quickness, uh, with his inst- his instinct, his ball skills, he he is very clearly an NBA power forward. Um, and if he's able to to stretch the floor at all, which and that's kind of what I was saying a minute ago, I'm not sure he's showcased that yet. I think he can do it. I just don't think he had that role in Wake's offense. Uh, but, but Brian, let's let's get some thoughts from you on Collins. We've talked about him a little bit in the past. Hornets need some front court help. This is a guy to keep, I think, an eye on. Well, first off, he, he's kind of it's kind of miraculous that we're here. Collins wasn't even a top uh, 100 re- recruit two years ago, and it's very it's very rare where a guy comes like this and is you know a top 150 recruit and ends up becoming a lottery pick two years later. Uh, he was first team All ACC. If I had a vote, he would have been my ACC Player of the Year ahead of Justin Jackson from North Carolina, who won the award. He got Wake back to the NCAA tournament for the first time since 2010, when they had Alfred Camino and Ish Smith. Um, you hit, you hit the, you kind of hit the the nail on the head here, talking about his lack of touches. That's been kind of a topic of conversation surrounding Wake this year. Th- there were a lot of games down the stretch where he'd get them, he'd have them close, and Wake was Wake's number six in the nation in offensive efficiency. They could score with literally anybody. Uh, according to Ken Palm, but there were games they could have won a game in Duke this year. And it was like the last five, four or five minutes of the game. He just couldn't get the ball in Danny Manning's offense. They have a good point guard, Brian Crawford. They like to run a lot of uh, side pick and rolls with, with Collins kind of rolling the hoop. There's not necessarily a natural help defender over there, but that that can come and bump down. But a lot of those times he ended up kind of disappearing. The ball would get swung. There'd be a, a jump shot taken from the opposite wing, and Collins would have to just scrap for an offensive rebound if he was going to get his touch. Now, honestly, that's not necessarily a bad play. Collins was number seven in the nation in offensive rebounding rate, uh, getting about 16.4% of the offensive re- available offensive rebounds when he was on the court, which is really, really, really good. And it, what, what, the thing that I always kind of want to sell with Collins is this, is that the last two years, Wake has been a horrendous perimeter shooting team, like really, really bad. This year, they shot as a team, they shot a shade under 39% on three balls. About, I think, number 40, 41 in the nation. John Collins didn't take a single three-pointer the entire season. But just like he was the backbone of what got them to the NCAA tournament, he was the backbone with his gravity and his rim runs and his ability to grab offensive rebounds and post up. He was this kind of four-round one hub in the low post that allowed them to space the floor, hit catch-and-shoots, and have guys like Woods and Austin Arians, Brian, Cough- Brian Crawford, Mitchell Wilbekin, all these guys had career shooting years from the floor, getting to basically play around this guy in the space he created for him. Uh, yeah. he, attempted, he attempted one three-pointer on the year, and he was maybe the most important function of a top 53-point offense. And really, he, he's an outstanding 
uh, rim running threat. I agree with you 100%, though. The jump shot could use work. He only took probably about, a, you know, a, maybe a dozen or so on the season total. I mean, he rarely stretched it from outside, you know, his wingspan from the hoop. So he needs to work on that. But from a talent standpoint, from a motor, from an athleticism standpoint, uh, he's, he's, he's dynamite. And uh, the d- defense is another conversation, too. Uh, as you saw from watching that game last night, he kind of has a ways to go when it comes to defending ball screens. He tends to get lost in space a little bit. But he's a, he's a, he's a good player. I love his motor. I love his for the game, uh, especially around the basket. Um, you know, Brian, he kind of reminds me of, like the role that Carl Anthony Towns had to play for that Kentucky team. Yeah. that was just like swarmed in a bunch of guards that needed yeah. the ball all the damn time, mm-hmm. you know, and, and he yep. just like didn't get a chance to showcase what he could really do. I, you know, but I, I don't know about John. Like that's just going to have to be a mystery. Teams are going to have to learn that in pre-draft workouts when they bring him in. And I got to imagine that Collins – Collins is going to be one of those guys that's going to get into almost – he's not going to get into every gym for pre-draft workouts, but I got to imagine a ton of teams are like, well, I, we have to see this guy and put him through our workout because right. there are a lot of question marks and mysteries about what he can do. I mean, we could, we've seen his – we've seen him put his body into a position to get his hands on the basketball. And I'm not talking about being past the basketball, but he right. just has great instincts in the glass. But the rest of it is, is kind of a big mystery. So we'll, so we'll see with John Collins, but he is a phenomenal prospect. I think we both agree – well, I think he's not getting past number 20. Um, yeah, I agree. And, I agree. Yeah. And and I, 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 yeah, go ahead. If I could add one quick thing, too, with him uh, as, as a role man this year. Uh, with him as a role man and pick and rolls, 1.6 points uh, per possession, shot 85% as a role man in pick and roll this year. Uh, that was number two nationally uh, with amongst players that had 40 or more possessions as a roller this year. Number two, only behind UNC Wilmington's uh, Devontae uh, hmm. uh, Cake. Yeah, so you you know I guess your uh, Cavaliers got to get ready for him uh, soon enough here in the, in the tournament. So Collins was phenomenal this year. And he shot 53% out of post-ups, too. I mean, he was a total force in the middle of the uh, the court. He was the real deal. Yeah, so so keep an eye on John Collins. Certainly someone we will be talking more about. I just want to quickly mention one other guy from that game last night. Uh, Kansas State guard Wesley. Uh, I'm not going to get this last name wrong, but I'm going to try. A one-do. Uh, a a one-do. Thank you, Richard. Yeah. A one-do. Uh, last night he scores 24 points, has six rebounds, seven assists. Uh, in, a, in the win versus Wake, he's a six-four wing. He almost has a seven-foot wingspan. Uh, he can create. He, he loves to drive to his left, although he is a right-hander. He's a very much improved shooter uh, this season from last. Um, developing offensive player, a lot of defensive potential with that seven-foot wingspan. Um, keep if you get a chance, watch Wesley. He's he is their most skilled, I would say player Kansas State and I would say he impacts the game probably as many ways as any other guy on that team they're going to play Cincinnati on Friday night at 7 30 so if you get a chance um, check this guy out he's a second rounder right now and a lot of that has to do with because I think he's a junior um, so he's a little older 21 years old I think um, but to me he has a chance to climb anything to add there Brian about him I, I like I like one do a lot he he kind of fills the He's a he's a big guard, you know, and he kind of feels the he played in Bruce Weber's offense. I'm not comparing this guy to Darren Williams, but he kind of serves this same role of like big physical guard that can pass, shoot threes, playing in that like five man motion that that Weber likes to run, you know, that he ran with Williams at Illinois. Now that he brought to uh, Manhattan with uh, with Kansas, but 23 percent assist rate, 
His teammates shot 43% when he passed it to them out of a pick and roll. And one of those guys for Hornets fans, Draft Express has him as the, the number 40 prospect in the 2017 draft. This is a guy that, you know, could be around in the second round range of where the Hornets, if they, you know, they end up keeping that pick, uh, where they might uh, be able to, you know, this is a guy they could be targeting uh, later on in the draft too. So I, I think he's a terrific player. And uh, he was a matchup nightmare for Wake Forest last night. They had no one to throw at him. He smoked Arians a couple times on back cuts. Uh, he's a really good player. Fun to watch. Yeah, I would definitely like to target target a wing for the Hornets in this upcoming draft. And it sounds like, by the way that you guys are talking, he has a lot of the measurables that you would like in an NBA player. He has that seven foot wingspan that you get, we're talking about, Spencer. You know, a lot of these things you just can't teach. And I know that he's probably a project because he's he's a second round. Uh, I guess he's projected to go second round, so there's probably some issues with his game. But some of the things that you can't teach, like wingspan and athleticism, he has. So um, definitely a player the Hornets could keep an eye on in the second round. Yeah, I mean, he's just exactly, Richie. I mean, he if he's a freshman, if he's 19 years old, really if he's less than 20 years old, and he does what he he does right now, and he has these measurables, he's a lottery pick, easy. But he's 22 years old um so that's really what what holds him back here but you know again that's what's so special about the ncaa tournament and especially for guys like um like wesley where he's a senior you know he's kind of written out of the first round right now for that reason but say kansas state makes a lead a run and he spearheads it his stock is going to rise quick so i mean that's that's what's so special about this tournament especially for upperclassmen um all right let's move on to a, to a guy that we've talked about in the past I actually think I've made a decision. Look, I love Jason Tatum. All right. It's like neck and neck between Jason Tatum and this guy. But I think Jonathan Isaac is my favorite ACC prospect. Um, <laughs> he is awesome. And you want to talk about measure, measurables and right. an unlimited toolbox. This guy has it. Um, so we spoke about him last time Brian was on. Still very raw offensively. You know, this Florida State team is so freaking skilled offensively. They have, they have so many weapons. Sometimes I watch him play, and, and a guy like Isaac just doesn't know where to, you know, where to take over, or when to take his shot, or when to attack. You know, they're just they're so loaded. Um, so they'll be an interesting team to watch in this tournament. But look, he had good shooting numbers this year. Uh, has to develop kind of a little bit of a dribble game, which been, has been inconsistent, I would say, uh, this season. But he can impact the game in almost every possible way. Uh, and again, he's got the tools to be an elite wing, wing defender. Um, guarding across, I would say, four positions. Yeah. Uh, Jonathan Isaac, to me, he can get into the top five when it's all said and done. I think Florida State needs to play in a few games in this tournament. He needs to get more eyes on him outside of just the ACC. But, Brian, uh, he's special. Yeah, no, no, absolutely no no doubt about it. I, I'm, I'm lucky to have gotten to see Isaac up close a few times this season, including in Durham against Duke a couple weeks ago and a couple, few, a couple games uh, in Brooklyn last week, actually, it's kind of weird with Florida State. Like, if if we want to see, if you want to, if really want to get eyeballs on Jonathan Isaac, they're gonna have to play a couple games because Leonard Hamilton, uh, Bunny Bunny Hamilton down in Tallahassee is running a twelve man rotation this year, which is obviously ridiculous. So like, Isaac only plays about twenty five minutes a game, actually, which is kind of insane to think that you have this top five pick in your. <laughs> You're, you know, Duke uses Duke plays Jason Tatum 38 minutes a game in all these high leverage situations, and uh, sometimes Isaac's just sitting there, and you're thinking, man, they could probably use that guy in the in the in the game right now. But he's one of those guys who is kind of jarring to watch him in person because he is so 
he's so freaking tall and long and you see him on the perimeter it's hard to it's hard to believe and, and that's it that's not even factoring in the the, the 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 high top haircut that he has too the guy is naturally uh, really long and, and just freakishly athletic his shooting kind of dropped off uh, a little bit as the season as the season went along the last 10 games 31 percent on threes 9.2 points per game but for the season was pretty darn good 35 percent on threes and 37 percent on catch and shoot uh, possessions but you're right he does have a tendency to drift a little bit which is kind of unfortunate because he's best I think without the ball in his hands you hit on this as well too not great you know in pick and roll or dribbling his, his handles need work but without the ball he's he's a fantastic cutter he's an he's one of the best offensive rebounders in the ACC if not the entire country but because he's a little bit better without the ball and because FSU's offense is a little uh, it's just a little bland to begin with in the game against Duke, he scored. He had seven points in the first half, and he scored only one point in the second half. He only took two field goals. And a lot of time, he was kind of just standing in the corner waiting for the ball to get swung to him, and it just never came. And, and sometimes I don't know if that's, oh, Isaac needs to go out there and dominate, or if that's, you know, Florida State needs to have sets that are getting him moving and getting in the ball going to the hoop. He's super-duper talented, and if the Hornets somehow landed on this guy, it would be seriously – it would be finding gold because he is he is that talented. And uh, again, guys that are six eleven and can float out to the three point line. You, you, how can you not want guys like that on your team? Yeah, I think that there's an argument to be made uh, that Isaac has as high of a ceiling as anyone in this draft. And, and that that you know, I think most would probably laugh at that, and that's fine. I mean, Markel Fultz and Lonzo Ball clearly can right. be you know, 10-year All-Stars in the NBA. I, but I think that you talk about a guy who's 6'11 in Isaac, um, you know, he's got a, almost a 7'2 wingspan. If he develops a dribble game, if he develops a consistent outside shooting game, I mean, you're talking about Kevin, you know, a, a Kevin Durant light. I mean, yep, you know, exactly. so, yep. I mean, the ceiling is so high for Isaac. It'll be very interesting. You know, Florida State's just too deep. Um, they're they're not the ideal team for a guy that that has, um, you know, the NBA draft prospect potential that, that Isaac has. But yeah. I, I'm more I'm I'm as intrigued to watch him in this tournament as anybody because he could linger around that ten area, you know, eight to ten, <laughs> eight to twelve area that he is right now, or he can climb all the way up into the top five. And depending on how uh, how perfect the Hornets can get this tanking. Um, strategy right, that, that right. they have going right now <laughs> he could fall right into their laps and that would be yep. phenomenal um so richie anything to add about isaac no i was just gonna ask you guys like who what nba player would you compare him to and i knew that you 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 said kevin durant and that was the answer that i was expecting i mean not only because he's you know like thin and he needs to bulk up a little bit but i definitely see the 611 you know large wingspan type of player in him that is in kevin mm. durant and kevin durant is obviously up to his play defensively I don't know. I've not seen Florida State play. How is his game, I mean, just quickly, does anyone know, how is his game defensively? You would think it would be good with his length and everything, but obviously there's a there's a mental aspect and a want-to aspect on the defensive end. I like his motor. I, I really do, and I'm going to throw it to you in a second, Brad. I, I, I like his motor a lot. I mean, he's obviously he obviously has the ability to, to bother anybody's shot. Mm-hmm. Um, he's, a, he's a good rebounder, I think. Um, yeah, I I like him on the defensive end. I think he's a guy that year one can come and make a defensive impact in the NBA. He's not a guy that's going to come year one into the NBA and make an impact offensively. He's just not there yet. 
Um, Brian, any thoughts? Yeah, he. You, I, I agree with you 100. I think, I think he, I think he plays hard. Just hearing him talk after a couple games, the guy is committed to to getting rebounds. Like he's not afraid to go in there and snag boards. And obviously, it's not just he's not just a wingspan. Isaac blocked uh, with a block rate of 6.2%. So that's when he's on the floor, he blocked over 6% of opponent uh, two-point field goal attempts. He, he's an, he can be an absolute menace. And so my, my question, I guess, to, to you guys would be, w- with regards to Isaac, do you see him as a, as a three or as a four going forward, or does that even matter? Like, Do we even need to come up with a label for these guys that are coming into the NBA? But I, I'm normally in favor of, of guys playing, going, going down a position and playing, you know, playing a little bit smaller. Uh, but what do you guys think about Isaac on the next level, uh, you know, three or four, or does it even matter? I mean, I think in a league that's going smaller, I think he's yeah. he's probably a four. I, I mean, I to be honest with you, I think he can play five in pinches, depending on where, how, how and where, mm-hmm. what direction his game uh, develops in. Um, you know, if he gets on a team, you know, it, it, it all depends, like, where these guys land, right? Like, if he lands in, like, a – a system, a, a small ball system, then I think he needs to play four. If he yeah. lands in like Utah, you know, or yeah. somewhere like that, then he yeah. like needs yeah. to learn to play on the wing some. Yeah. So, you know, it all kind of depends where these guys, uh, you know, land. But uh, I'm really excited to see him. And um, you can see him play tomorrow. Is that, t- yeah, tomorrow night at 9 30 mm-hmm. uh, against a, a very scrappy Florida Gulf Coast team that a lot of people are saying might beat Florida State. I don't know if I'm buying into that, but. That's a good game to check him out. If you haven't seen Isaac yet, uh, tune in to that 930 tomorrow night. Richie, anything else? And then we're going to move on to uh, the, the Chapel Hill darling. I mean, just about the <laughs> position debate, uh, I think that his versatility allows him to play both the three and the four. So I think that's a great thing to have. I mean, you don't want a player that's just limited to one position. So to answer Brian's question, I, I see him more as a three, but definitely he can slide between the three and the four offensively. Okay. Um, so some good Analysis and convo on, on Jonathan Isaac of Florida State there. Um, our next uh, topic of conversation is going to be Justin Jackson. And, excuse me, uh, to me, this is a guy who has soared up draft boards this season as much as anyone in the country. Um, Jackson, uh, for North Carolina, much more consistent shooter this season. He's been he shot 50% from the field this year, which is really incredible for a wing. Um, 37 and a half percent from behind the arc um to me this year more than anything else he's shown an ability to consistently get his own shot and not only that but he's been he's been more of a dog in hunting his which you know i thought about in the the past with jackson and any carolina fan will tell you this that no one's going to take no carolina fan is going to take offense to me saying this that guy floated as much as anybody on the court uh last year in the acc and really up until this year his whole career at carolina he is found ways to go hide somewhere else uh, except coming to the basketball and looking for a shot. So uh, his pull-up jumper, uh, you know, his two-game pull-up has been exceptional this year. He's craftier than you think, Brian, in getting to the rim. He's got that third, fourth, fifth dribble that really I didn't know that he would ever develop um, getting to the rim. He showed that out this year. Um, Okay, so here's what I want to ask you, and then I kind of want to hear your analysis. Do you think his jump up the draft boards, and he's, he hasn't made this big of a jump in every draft board, but right now Draft Express has him in the lottery. They have him 13 to mm-hmm. Chicago, which kind of surprises me. 
I don't think that he should be this high up draft boards. Part of that is because of his age. Part of it is I just think you see one good season. He's 22 years old now. Um, right. Your thoughts? Yeah, I, I'm with you. I'm, I was actually a little surprised to see him kind of on, you know, as a fringe lottery guy. I was, I was, I'd be more comfortable taking him around the 20 range, but I, I've been high on Jackson for most of this season. What's interesting with him is I think everyone kind of thought this was what we were going to see from him two years ago when he was a freshman. And like you said, we, we only saw it in these very rare uh, bursts with him. He was pretty good in the 2015 uh, NCAA tournament as well. But you're right. He, he floated. He drifted. He, he kind of hung around the basket and would kind of look, you know, try to cherry pick on offensive rebounds this year. Way more timely. I literally had, you took the words out of my, out of my notes. I have he hunts a shot and he did that this year. Um, close to 50% of his, of his attempts were of the, of the three point variety, which is a huge jump from last year. And one of the reasons why stuff like his offensive rebounding rate is down. He's just around the hoop a little bit less this year, but more importantly that, that's better for him that he's that he's looking for a shot. He's looking for catch and shoots. I thought it was impressive that he kind of developed this nice off the ball screen game. If you ever listen to Jay Bills call one of his games, Bills will talk about this all the time. But they'll use they'll use Jackson. He'll set an off the ball screen, and then as soon as he does that, he'll run through some elevator doors. Or he would even they'd even do like a little one three pick and roll with Joel Barry and Jackson too at the top of the key. They burned NC State for three on that in the uh, the, the fifty point blowout in the Dean Dome. That said, as good as Jackson became this year, I, I'm still not super comfortable taking him as a lottery pick, even though he does, you know, he is one of these tobacco road laboratory created, you know, superstar wings that we see every couple of years. It feels like out of, uh, out of, out of UNC. I did also like his pick and roll <laughs> game. And this is, this is one of the things that I'm, I'm thinking one of the reasons why some are higher high on him too. He was good in the pick and roll this year uh, as a ball handler. Uh, almost one point per possession, 37% shooting, and his teammates shot 59% out of a from after a pass from Jackson in pick and roll. So I'm, I'm guessing people like that that he has a little bit off the bounce juice. But again, he's the only guy I'm pretty sure in Draft Express's lottery right now that's above in their projected lottery that's above the age of 20, um, which shouldn't be a deal breaker. But I just think he I don't know I'm not totally sold on him as a lottery pick, but I do think he can play. Um, and contribute in the NBA next year. He's six eight, and he can he can bomb threes off the catch. So I think there's definitely a role for him. But I'd be a little I'd be a little 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 uh, anxious taking him in that in that twelve thirteen range. Maybe you get closer to fifteen to twenty, then I'm I'm a little more comfortable there. Yeah, I'd be a little hesitant in drafting him too, for a couple of reasons. One, he's a UNC Tar Heel. They don't do too well with us. Um, and then he's also a late bloomer. We drafted a late bloomer two years ago in Frank Kaminsky. So that always makes me hesitant about a, a player that's a, that's a late bloomer. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. God, let's please not go down the Frank tunnel. Yeah. But yeah, you're right, Richie. You're that's, right. That's a whole tunnel. But it's fu- it, it's funny you bring that up, Richie, because I was when I was in Brooklyn last week, I was having a conversation with someone. We were talking about the Hornets. And I was mentioning, oh, I'd love to see Isaac or, or Monk or you know, if they could luck into one of these guys. And the person was kind of just, kind of smug smirky like oh well, i mean whatever you, you know the you know they're gonna draft justin jackson right <laughs> it was like man i'm just tired of these old bobcats jokes so i'm um, i'm hoping that uh you know the cards the cards work out a little bit better for the hornets well until it changes until it changes the jokes are going to continue yeah it's true it's true i do think jackson's a player uh, i'd just be a little more comfortable seeing him uh not in uh teal and perp next year probably 
Yeah, I, I could I tend to agree there, but I do like him. Uh, I just don't know if I like him in the lottery. Uh, chances are that he's going to play well in the NCAA tournament, and chances are that North Carolina um, is they have a pretty good road to the Elite Eight. Uh, then it gets really hard for them. They're going to get Kentucky or UCLA. Um, you know, to play fun, for a oh, that game is just going to be incredible, be fun, man. It's going to be incredible. The Kentucky UNC game in December to me is still the. Uh, it's still the game of the year, like the best regular season game I saw this season in college hoops. That was the There's Malik. no doubt about it. And that was incredible. Was pro- yeah, yeah, that was the Malik Monk game, and we're going to get to that one and uh, that player here here shortly. But So if you want to see Justin Jackson play, um, he debuts uh, in, with the Tar Heels on let's say, at 4 o'clock on Friday against Texas Southern. So probably not the, the greatest game to watch him play in, but uh, but I don't know, just circle the calendar for that Elite Eight game. That's the one you want to check him out in when him and Malik and Monk are, uh, are butting heads. All right, now let's move on to a team that is absolutely loaded uh, with prospects. Um, I would say that one of them is probably realistically uh, in the Hornets' range, just kind of depends on how the tournament goes again. Uh, Duke Blue Devils, Jason Tatum, Harry Giles, and Luke Kennard. Let's start with Tatum, uh, and, and just kind of touch on him briefly. We've already talked about him a little bit, Brian. I think he's he's a lock to be a top five pick. I, I still think he's, you know, in the conversation or could be when the tournament's done to be a top two pick. Um, I really want to focus more on on if you think that Kennard and Giles are going to return to school, and if not, you know, and they do uh, declare for the draft here, where is their stock? Um, but anyways, anything to add about Tatum other than kind of what we've already touched on? Uh, I think I kind of hit on this at the top, but his passing in Brooklyn was spectacular. And, and I think what, what I kind of like with him is um, different from guys like Justin Jackson and Jonathan Isaac, who have kind of, kind of regressed a little bit. Uh, Jackson's just in a slump, and Isaac's just had a little bit of a struggle recently. Tatum's gotten better as the year's gone along. And he's done it. He's, he's, got, he's been getting better as the competition's gotten more challenging in the ACC, which has been probably the best basketball conference in America. He closed the, the final eight games of the regular season, 16 points, eight rebounds, two assists, a block, 41% on threes, 93% on free throws. He's kind of doing it in the same, in a similar role that Justice Winslow did two years ago uh, in 2015 when they won the title, playing, basically playing the four for them. And, and I think the game has slowed down. I thought early on in the season, he, he, the, he get the ball. He's one of those guys who gets the ball on the perimeter. He wants to size up the defender, survey the land, and then make his move. And it was just getting a little sticky. And I feel like now it's moving a little bit faster. And you're seeing him make plays in the pick and roll and throwing passes out of the post that are spectacular. I would also like to add, too, with Tatum. Uh, this is something uh, that's that's pr- I think is pretty, pretty darn impressive with him. Uh, Jason Tatum of ACC post players to have of ACC players to have at least 20 post ups this season. Jason Tatum ranks number one in the ACC in points per possession, better than 1.1 points per possession on 59% shooting. I, that's an, I mean it's he's he the guy has an NBA game with his ability to post and to read defenses and to shoot threes and play multiple positions. He's just a really special talent. I saw Danny Ainge of the you know the the president of the the Celtics in Brooklyn. That's the guy who might have the number one pick because they have they have the pick pick swap with the Nets, and um, I don't know I don't know how you couldn't see this guy play and not immediately want to take him with the number one pick. If there's a better player in America, uh, I haven't seen him. I, I don't think there's anything anybody quite like him playing in college basketball this year. 
It'll be interesting. Um, <clears throat> I loved your point about him you know, at the beginning of the season, kind of holding the ball, mm-hmm. you know, two seconds, second and a half, kind of wonder, you know, trying to make up his mind what he wanted to do. But he's become much more decisive. Um, you know, his first dribble and his first step has been unbelievable, getting into the paint. But then from there, making incredible athletic plays to finish and then or making the right decision to throw it out or find the open yeah. man when the help comes. So he's been a different player. Um, Harry Giles, no, he – is an extremely interesting prospect to keep an eye on uh, as we enter this tournament. I think I saw him in person in Charlottesville against UVA, and it was a few games before that when he had been really thrust into a role that has been consistent throughout the rest of the season. And depending on Jefferson's foul trouble, you know, Duke has leaned on Giles in the middle to win some games, and he's come through. Um, I haven't given up on him. I know he's had a rough year. I know he's not had the year that a lot of people have, have, have guessed that he would, and a lot of that has to do with injuries and whatever else. But um, I still think Giles is a possible – I still think he's a potential lottery pick. I have not given up on that. Um, you know, I don't watch him play and, and think he deserves that. It's just his potential, you can see it. Um, he has a better feel for the game than you think. He's a really good passer, which I don't think enough people understand. And he's an awesome rebounder. Um, you know, it's just his offensive game. He's just not a guy you can throw it to. He can go score it yet. But in, in his, you know, his hustle plays, his instincts to the ball and the glass, all that stuff for his size uh, is pretty good right now at his age. So I, I have not given up on him um, being a lottery pick. And I think he's going to find his way back in the draft. My gut tells me he is going to enter the draft. Um, even though I think a lot of people think he should stay, I, I, I don't really think he should. Um, huh. Brian, thoughts? Uh, I, I'm with you 100%. I think he's, I think he's gone. And I think, uh, you know, this, this poor Harry, man, he's had three, three pretty serious lower body injuries the last probably four years of his career, including uh, two, ACL and two ACL tears on, on, on both knees. And he's still battled back, and he's – you know, you can tell he hasn't been anywhere close to 100% this year, but he was great up in Brooklyn. And the in the wins over Louisville, North Carolina, and Notre Dame, like, I don't think they win any of those games without him giving them 10 to 15 minutes. They absolutely needed it. If Jefferson was gassed or if they were in foul trouble. And he had one exchange against UNC with about five minutes left. Jackson, Justin Jackson, who we were just talking about, was posting up Grayson Allen, who, by the way, how sad is it that we're talking about Duke draft prospects and we haven't even we're not even planning on mentioning oh poor Grayson Allen who uh probably cost himself a little bit of cash coming back to school this year. But uh Justin Jackson was posting up on Grayson Allen and he he spun in to shoot a little righty hook. Giles blocked the shot and then smoked Kennedy Meeks down the court. Allen threw him the lob and he slammed it home and put Duke up seven with about five twenty, five twenty-five left. It, it was just, it was like all of a sudden you were like, this is what everyone's been telling me about. You know, they, what they used to say in practices or when he was playing for the, the USA development program or in, in prep ball or whatever, you could see like, this is the flash. This is what everyone's thought was possible with Giles. And I get the feeling too. It's one of those things that if you draft him, he doesn't need to be healthy for you next year. Like you, you have, you have his rights for at least four years if you want it to be. You can draft them, and I'm not even saying do what the 76ers do and, and just and just let these guys chill for a year. But he doesn't need to play until Jan- you know you can you could give him a year. You could give him nine months. You could do whatever you want, and you'd have him really cheap. And you know all of a sudden this is a guy that was projected to be the number one pick in this draft. 
If you get that, if you get that guy somewhere in the middle or back third of the first round, and he ends up getting healthy, maybe that's a big if. But that's a ton of value, and in draft yeah. is all about finding that. Yeah, I really don't think Giles is getting out of the first round. I think he's shown right. enough right. Uh, in the second half of this season to to justify what everyone kind of said mm-hmm. before the season and and what just you know and why he was the number one prospect in the nation coming out of high school. Uh, Giles, I'll tell you the one play, <clears throat> and I saw this live at Virginia. He had to come in and play some serious minutes uh, because Jefferson was in, Emil Jefferson was in foul trouble that game. Yeah, Giles played awesome. But one play stuck out to me. He he caught it on the on the right block. I think it was the right block. Yeah. So UVA always brings the post double. They're in from they're you know they're infamous yeah. for that defensively. Right. Giles takes one dribble, starts to spin towards his kind of his right shoulder, feels the post double coming, pivots towards the baseline, whips a pass opposite corner to Frank. I think it was Frank Jackson, who had made himself available, right on the money, and and just. To watch him feel that double coming, okay, instinct, okay, good. He sees the help. He knows where it's coming from. Flip, use his wingspan and his length to reach around the initial defender, fling it under the basket to a guy wide open in the opposite corner right on the money. I'm not sure that Jackson made the shot, but I saw that play, and I thought, holy moly. I mean, those are really, really good. And to be that accurate with that pass, you know, and I, I didn't know he was that good of a passer. I mean, the package is there. Will it ever come together? I don't know. You know, I don't know, but he runs like a deer. He's six eleven. He has a seven three wingspan. Uh, he's a shot blocker. He's a great rebounder. The yeah. offensive game is still a question mark. But like, look, folks, like I know he hadn't had a good year, but it we, we're starting to see it. And and I just don't know that that is going to stop. I mean, Duke's rolling. He's got a role now in, in this uh, in this rotation. I think he's going to have a great tournament. I think he's going to be a first round draft pick. And and I'm not sure how high. Uh, he will be able to climb, but it'll be interesting to watch. My question for you guys, uh, for Giles, to, well, first off, the the injuries would scare me off, those two ACL injuries, yeah. unless your name is yeah. Thomas Davis. I, I, I would be a little freaked out by those. Um, but yeah. another thing, what position do you think he plays? Because from everything that I've seen, read, uh, and by seen, I mean highlight videos, um, he doesn't shoot the ball too well, um, but he, he obviously has an athletic build to him. So to me, I don't know if he's a center or a power forward in the NBA game. I think he's a center. Um, you know, Giles kind of reminds me right now, but I think—I mean, I think he has a way higher ceiling. I think he's kind of like a Clint Capella. Um, you know, that's that's one guy that I've kind of zeroed in on as as right today um, his comp. But you know, that can change because I think at the end of the day, Giles can do more things than probably Capella. Um, but. I think he has to play center. I don't know if he's ever going to get to a point, you know, his offensive development where he's ready to play power forward. Yeah, I, I, I tend to agree. In, in in these things, I just tend to say, I just lean towards playing guys uh, small, you know, and just let's load up on as much skill in, pa- in, in passing and athleticism as we can. And I'm, I'm willing to, like, punt some portion of the backboard uh, in, in terms of just maximizing my, my talent on the court. So I – I see him as a center, but you know he's one of those things. If he if he develops a jumper, uh, which and who knows, then he, man, he could be a, a, a just an incredible power forward too. But I think the Capella comparison is uh, is interesting. His pick and roll numbers as a roll guy are pretty good this year in, in a really limited sample. So um, I, I tend to like him as a five, a guy that can play um, you know stretch five kind of in a, in a four rounds four round one style system. 
All right, let's um let's talk about Luke Kennard real briefly here. Um, Kennard right now is a lot higher on Draft Express than than I have him. Um, ESPN does not have him this high, but he's the number twenty pick right now, and yeah. in, in in Draft Express is mock. I think Luke Kennard is going to end up being a four year player at Duke. Uh, I think I'm in the vast minority there, but but I just I, I don't see enough. Um, there uh, with his physicality with his athletic his lack of athleticism uh, i know he's a good scorer you know i know his footwork is as good as anybody in the country and really as, as good as anybody we've seen basketball on the wing uh and on the college level in a long time but he's not an nba player to me yet um i don't know that he ever will be but a, a lot of people would disagree with that brian what do you stand on Kennard right now i think he's back next year again i think he's back for four years but where do you stand there I'm kind of splitting the difference with you here a little bit. I think he's back next year. I, I think he's a three-year player. And I, and I do think he's an NBA player, too. Um, mostly just because of the, the power of his of his shot. And he, he's, he, he's – you could make a case for him and, and a couple other guys, one of which from UCLA we might talk about later on in this podcast, too, is being just the best shooter in America. And I love the way he, he moves without the ball. He's never in a hurry. He gets to his spots. He can shoot threes, but he's 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 deadly from the mid-range too. He runs a really good dribble handoff game with Neil Jefferson in particular, and that's that's the type of action that's really popular in the NBA. DHOs, you'll you hear every, everyone runs that everyone runs that action. But just because he wasn't anywhere close to draft boards a year ago, and even like you brought up, like he's he's on some people, he's still not even on some people's radar. I think he's back next year, regardless of what happens in the tournament this year. Um, the, the one thing this, the one thing that would be the case for him would be: Does he maybe see what happened with Grayson? And you know, Grayson could have gone last year, maybe been a top twenty pick, first round pick, and he came back this year and he, through injuries and some other uh, kind of uh, on court issues, <laughs> he's probably made himself out of guaranteed millions of dollars, and that opportunity cost is steep. So. I don't. You know, I don't think Kennard's a risk like 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 Allen is for that. Um, but I agree. That there there are, there certainly are concerns with his defense and just kind of with his physicality. Even though he's actually not a terrible rebounder, uh, they, they kind of ask him to, to mix it up in there a little bit. At least early in the year before before like guys like Tatum and Giles got back, they were playing him at, at like the no, as like a nominal power forward a little bit. But no, I think he's back next year, and, and I do think he has an NBA career ahead of him. But he's gonna have to bust his bust his you know what kind of like JJ Redick did uh, to kind of if you know get in better shape uh, if he's gonna be carved out any significant NBA career I think. Well, I disagree with both of you guys. I I think he's coming out. I definitely do. Um, <laughs> I the things that he lacks I feel like like athleticism. You, you're not gonna gain anything by coming back to college. You're not gonna learn athleticism. I think he's a very quick learner. High IQ player, heady player. He's going to pick things up in the NBA. I think his stock is, is, like you said, in Draft Express. I don't know where that ranks with, you know, with GMs, but like it's high. It's high, higher than normal. And I think that he needs to take advantage of this time and come out. And like you said, with uh, the Allen situation, don't don't lose out on millions of dollars if if your stock is high as it is now. So I don't see much of a benefit in coming back. But so I, I have him coming out this year. Brian, you got him coming out next year, and Spencer, you got him as a four-year player. So we'll see what happens. We got yeah, <laughs> yeah, we did. I think we've got everything checked here. I, I, you know, I don't know. I, I could be so far off on this. I just, to me, Kennard needs the ball in his hands too much. Um, you know, I, it, with what he brings to the table as a good shooter, is is a good offensive player. I would like to see him just be better off the ball. 
be better coming off screens. I just think he needs the ball in his hands to create too much, and that's fine at Duke. That's fine in college basketball. Uh, that is not going to play into his favor in the NBA because he's not going to be the creator on any NBA team. I'm sorry. And so, you know, and then the defensive liability, uh, the you know, the lack of physicality, all this – I think eventually it adds up, but you know, again, I could be wrong, and we'll see. So you can watch all three of these guys play on Friday night, seven thirty. Uh, Duke plays Troy uh, in the first round NCAA tournament. All right, let's um, let's talk about. I had, I'm going to go a little out of order here, but that's we're kind of running late on time here, and we have to talk about Miles Bridges uh, from Michigan State, who is probably been linked to that 10 to 14 range more than any other player um, in the nation right now. And he's actually slotted into uh, for the Hornets to pick him at number 12 and draft, draft express currently uh, bridges is a freakishly athletic lefty six, seven combo forward. Um, unsure what his position is on the next level, but he's one of those guys with the way the basketball is played today. I'm not sure that that really matters so much. Um, and he's so versatile. Uh, defensively, he can make an impact in a lot of different areas. Uh, he shot 38% from behind the arc this season, which is probably a mi- little bit misleading, though. I, I don't, he's definitely not considered an elite shooter. And as of right now, I think he's just a set shooter. Um, yep. Really good straight line driver, deadly transition player. High, you're going to see him in plenty of top tens uh, in the future. Uh, elite passing ability. I mean, that guy can fling a pass like. Uh, like a D'Angelo Russell or, you know, or Alonzo Ball. I mean, he, he he can see the floor and he can see the opposite end of the floor and, and the passing lanes very well. But but right now, you know, along with that, there's this gap where he just doesn't have a great feel for the game. He forces a lot of stuff. So, you know, Bridges, incredible prospect, I think, uh, could certainly help himself in this tournament, especially if Michigan State's able to knock off Kansas, you know, potentially in the second round. Um, but he's pretty much stuck in that 10 to 14 range right now. I don't think he's getting out of the lottery, um, but he certainly could climb. Brian, any, any thoughts here on Bridges? How much have you gotten to see him play this year? Uh, I've gotten to see him play a decent amount. And actually, I, they, Michigan State played at Duke in the ACC Big Ten Challenge, so I got to see him back in November, you know, end of November, early December in Durham actually, at Cameron. I got to cover a game there. In, but I'll say this too: He was he was forcing a lot of that. that uh, a that game feels like it was um, a lifetime ago. Tatum and Giles didn't even play in that game. But Bridges, I think, has come a long way since then. I think he was really inefficient at the time and was was forcing a lot, using most of Michigan State's possessions when he was on the court. And I think the game, I think, you know, like like anyone you would expect over the course of their freshman year, I think the game has kind of uh, materialized a little bit more for him this year. He's only 19 still as a freshman. I, I, I get I get the the little maybe he's not he's not a he's not a natural player but I I too love the versatility one of the things I like with him this year is that he played both ends of the pick and roll so it's like not only does he have the versatility where he, yeah this guy could probably guard both four positions and some of the some wing and some guard in the NBA but on top of that I like the fact that he can play he can run pick and roll and he can be your screen setter roller or a guy that pick and pops too and I, I love. I feel like you can't have enough of those guys on your roster, guys that can pass and shoot. And, and like you said, his his measurables are pretty good. Uh, as a cutter, 78% field goal percentage this season at the rim. You said he's a freakish athlete. 
61% field goal percentage at the rim on non-post-ups. And if you don't believe us, go to YouTube and search Miles Bridges. There'll be the, the, the oopie threw down against Rutgers is unbelievable. Um, but he, he's a special, he's really is a special player. 45% shooter coming off screens. And he's a 42% three point shooter in conference play too. So I, I've, I was not super high on Bridges, but over the last couple of weeks, watching him a little bit more and kind of keeping up with some of his stats, I've uh, slowly talked myself into, well, if this guy fall, if this guy fell to the Hornets, they they could they could be pretty happy about that too. So I, I like Bridges. Um, I would prefer I would have him down the ledger from some of the, all these other guys we just mentioned, like like uh, Isaac, Isaac and, yeah. and Tate, all those guys. But uh, but you know, he he would not be a bad. Um, you know, a bad a, a bad prize to snag kind of at the, the back end of the lottery if that's where the Hornets uh, end up residing in come draft time. Yeah, so you're going to hear his name come up, um, linked to the Hornets quite a bit uh, here in the next few months. Um, you know, I love him. I love his athleticism. He's an NBA athlete. He's an NBA body on day one. But uh, his feel for the game is not there yet. So that, that'll really be the biggest thing to watch with Bridges. Um, you can see him play – uh, in what should be a really, really competitive game on Friday night at 9.30 as we kind of wrap the first round. Um, Michigan State's going to play Miami in an 8-9 game. The winner's going to get Kansas, likely. Um, so I, I would definitely suggest, if you listen to this podcast, circle that game to sit down and watch and, and check out Bridges because Miami's athletic. Miami has some guys that are going to get NBA looks, and, and that would be a good measurement um, to, to kind of – to kind of build your opinion on him as a player, and you're going to need to build an opinion if you're a Hornets fan because his name will be linked to Charlotte. Um, okay, so guys, we got about ten minutes, so let's go in a rapid fire, but let's let's go as quickly as we can. And the next guy I want to talk about, and really the last, you know what? There's two more elite prospects I want to talk about, and then we'll just kind of go rapid fire. Let's start with Malik Monk uh, at Kentucky. If, if you listen to this podcast, you know. Um, Reek from Leak. You know that I love Monk. Uh, he's he's Reek Reek hashtag Reek for Malik. Um, that that is what the Hornets are trying to do. I love it. <laughs> we we hope. But um, so Monk, you know, obviously plays for Kentucky. He scored forty seven in the classic early season game uh, that we referenced earlier against North Carolina uh, that they won. It was like a hundred to ninety eight. Just absolutely incredible basketball game. Um, you know, he, he could be around where the Hornets draft. Again, it's all kind of dependent on how far the Hornets can fall. Um, he is an unbelievable basketball player. The, you know, he can score it in many different ways. Um, he, I think he's probably the purest shooter in this entire draft. Um, uh, you know, the one thing that holds Monk back, and <laughs> I've been laughed at, and I said it, I don't know. When did I say it last? Richie, was it? Anyways, I, I said on a podcast a few weeks ago, maybe a month ago, that the fact that he is 6'3 is going to drop him on draft boards. I do not think Malik Monk will be drafted in the top five. I am not sure that he will be drafted in the top eight. And I simply think it's because he measures about 6'3 without shoes right now. His wingspan is it is not impressive. It's about 6'3 and a half. Um, he doesn't, you can make an argument that the guy doesn't have an NBA body. Uh, he's, he weighs less than two, 200 pounds. He's still rail thin, uh, but good grief. Can he score the basketball? Um, and, and there's a guy who's always going to hunt his own shot. Uh, definitely the type of ho- player that the Hornets need next to Kimball Walker, a second score. Um, and there is a chance, I think that he could follow the Hornets. 
Brian, let's let's get some thoughts here and, and really I, I know what you think about him as a player. Reiterate that, but do you realistically think that the Hornets can find a way to get him? If they can get to that, I, but first off, I share the same concern. Like I think his height's going to cost him too a little bit. The fact that he is labeled as six three means he's you know he might even be less than that. You know what I mean? Uh, we'll see what we'll you know assuming he comes out, we'll see what he measures at at the uh, the combine. But uh, I'm in love with this guy as a player. He just he, we talk about Justin Jackson hunting shots. Now this guy hunts shots. He doesn't stop moving without the ball. He's flying around screens, coming off down screens, coming off flares, and he's looking for his shot. And he's trying to get it up, and he makes it better than 40 percent of the time. So he should be looking for it. Uh, he's an incredible player. He had the best performance I saw individually in college basketball this year uh, against the um, the North Carolina. He just destroyed Kenny Williams of the Tar Heels in that game. Poor Kenny. But um, I think he's. I, I think if the Hornets can get into that eight range, maybe maybe I, I think there's a chance he could certainly fall just because you know there's going to be four point guards taken in the top eight picks of this draft. You know that. You know Dennis Smith. You know Markel Fultz. De'Aaron Fox, Monk's teammate at Kentucky, and Lonzo Ball. Like you know, those guys are going to be in the top seven or eight picks. And along with Tatum and Isaac, now we're at six. You know, assuming he can fall another spot or two after that, if you get in that eight nine range, then absolutely, um, uh, Malik Monk could be in Charlotte, and that would make me super happy to see him uh, next to Kemba Walker next year. I, that would be they would be a fun backcourt going for smallish, no doubt, not not the most imposing, kind of like a. Uh, like a Damian Lillard, yep. T.J. McCollum style backcourt, like the way they have set up. And I actually think, I actually think Lillard and, and, and Kemba are already uh, very similar players. If you look at, if you break down some of their stats, but uh, but yeah, no, I think I think there's a I think there's a legitimately good chance. I think that his lack of height and wingspan is going to hurt him in the draft, and I hope it does because I would love to see him fall to Charlotte. Uh, I think he's a really special player. Yeah, no, I, I hope it hurts him too. I mean, that's why I've been driving that train right, since exactly. the get-go because uh, that's the only hope that the Hornets are going to get him because chances are Monk's going to have an awesome tournament. So you can see him play on Friday night at 940 if you want to watch Kentucky play Northern Kentucky. But I would suggest <laughs> marking your calendars for Sunday, which yeah. would be a much more competitive game uh, where they would get – I don't even know. Who do they get? I, I don't have it in front of me. But it, it'll be a more competitive game on Sunday. Malik Monk, I, I think he's a better fit for Charlotte than any guy in this draft. And th- there's a conversation to be had. It's possible to get him. Okay, uh, last big prospect I really want to touch on, and a guy that I really, really, really like is TJ Leaf uh, from UCLA. Yes, this is this is the prospect that the Hornets are going to draft right here. Well, that's true. I mean, he's a white guy who's tall, so the Hornets are naturally going to just go ahead and pull. So we spent an hour talking about prospects that we're not going to draft, but here we are. Tune in, tune in, guys. Tune in. And of course, here I go saying I love him, right? Yeah, because of course I'm a Hornets fan. How can I not love him? He's white. Um, So TJ Leaf, uh, UCLA, um, very, very skilled power four. Uh, He's power forward. He's six ten. He's got a high motor. Uh, He's a really, really solid shooter. Um, for his side, great offensive strength, uh, and his feel for the game is awesome. He's, he's a great passer. Uh, it certainly needs to get stronger, but you want to talk about a guy offensively at 6'10", who checks about just every single box outside of being physical, it's T.J. Leaf. Uh, he's ex- extremely scaled. Uh, if you get a chance to go back and watch the UCLA-Kentucky um, game in Lexington from early this season where Alonzo Ball and T.J. Leaf just sliced up Kentucky, um, he, he's a special player. 
Uh, I could see him climbing in draft boards uh, before June. Um, you know, but, but we'll have to wait and see. So let me right now, Leaf is he's lower than I expected. Yes, yeah, so Draft Express has him 26 right now. I think he's going to get drafted higher than that. He's almost 20. Well, yeah, because the Hornets so, aren't drafting 26. Yeah, he's going he's gonna to be drafted higher. <laughs> no, the Hornets are not drafting 26. Um, <laughs> So he is almost, he is kind of old for a freshman. He's almost 20 years old. Um, he's 16. He's got a 6'11 wingspan. So, you know, outside of his height, not, not crazy great measurables, 220. So he, he, he's thin, but he's not as thin as you, as you think he is. He's a really good rebounder. Um, Brian, thoughts on TJ Leaf? Uh, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of, uh, of Leaf myself. Uh, the leading scorer for arguably the, the best offense in America is better than 16 points per game. Uh, he's top 20, according to Ken Palm, in, in offensive rating, close to uh, 1.3 points per possession. He's, he's, a, he's a really, really good shooter. Uh, you could make a case for him being the best shooter, one of the best shooters in all of college basketball, and he happens to be 6'10", and a freshman, albeit close to 20 years old for a freshman. But uh, he's a good rebounder. He has a nice post game. I think he has a tendency to, to put the ball on the floor a lot. He, he always likes to take this one little like power dribble before going up with his right hand. And I think that's a little susceptible towards uh, stripped or you know letting guys regain position and stuff like that. But he's really, really, really good. Uh, 79% on putbacks, 65% field goal percentage as a cutter, and 48% field goal percentage uh, on, on spot-ups. He didn't shoot a ton of threes, just about one and a half per game, but he did make over 45% of them. Um, I'm a big fan of Leaf, and like you said, in that Kentucky game, he was fantastic. 17 points, 13 rebounds, five assists against a front line of future NBA players, and and that's a pretty decent, you know, kind of bar uh, to to kind of judge someone's NBA prospects against. I'm I'm high on Leaf, and uh, I, I think he I think he can be a player uh, in the in the NBA, and uh, you know, like Richie was kind of alluding to. Uh, he would make a nice fit in Charlotte, uh, I guess for uh, for a couple of reasons. But uh, I do like TJ Leaf. I think he's a good player. Yeah, they're going to see a big from UCLA who's white, can rebound, can pass. They're going to think Kevin Love. Right, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes. The comparison's yeah. a bit trite, but kind of obvious too. You know what I mean? Yeah, I I, I mean, down the road, I, I see Leaf is more, you know, we'll, we'll see. I, I see him more as kind of like a Ryan Anderson um, yeah. you know, yeah, it's a yeah. small, it's a small sample size. You know, he has not shot the ball a ton uh, from behind the arc, like like you alluded to, Brian. But you know that forty five percent clip or whatever it is, I mean, that's that's extremely high. And I know the sample size is low, but that's an extremely high clip. Um, you know, and I, outside of the fact that he's a white big man, you know, I, I do think that he's a guy you look at. You look at a, an aging Marvin Williams, like. He's, you know, he's still a young kid, Leaf. Um, you know, he's a guy you draft, you groom, you give him, you know, bring him along slowly. When Marvin fades out, you know, he's kind of your, uh, your easy man as the starter of power forward. But, you know, that's that's another conversation for another day. You can see UCLA and Leaf play. Uh, Lonzo Ball, make sure you watch that kid, too. The Hornets won't draft him because he's going to go probably one or two. But you can see that play Kent State uh, 10 o'clock on friday night all right fellas so we have got about three minutes here uh, maybe less than that um but let's i'm just gonna throw some rapid fire and in like 10 words brian and then richie if you want to uh <laughs> chime in you certainly can um i'm just gonna throw out a few prospects here and just kind of give me your quick thoughts and where you think they might 
um, be drafted. Um, Brian, let's start with Devin Robinson from Florida. I thought he was really good. I saw, I've only seen him play a little bit this year, but he was maybe Florida's best player uh, in an early season game against Duke. If he goes pro, I could see him maybe going in the early, mid-second round. I agree. I'm, a, I'm actually a Florida fan, um, so I see second round. Uh, he has all the uh, measurables. He's lengthy, uh, but he can't shoot the ball, so he, he's a, he's a second-round talent. <clears throat> yeah, I like Robinson, too. I mean, he's talking about a guy who, who measures like a uh, like an NBA wing. It's certainly him. I actually coached against this kid in high school. Went to Christchurch School. They were in our league. As you can imagine, he dominated the league. Um, <laughs> it just hasn't been at Florida what, what I thought he had the chance to be. Now being a junior, you know, him – being drafted in the first round, especially this year, uh, is probably out of the question. I think he's a second-round pick. But, look, 6'8", 6'11", wingspan. Um, can't shoot yet. It's not really sure where he fits in offensively. But, you know, he's, he's a project that they can pay off because of his measurables. Um, so Florida uh, plays East Tennessee State 310 uh, tomorrow so you can or Thursday. So you can check him out. Um, all right, let's move on. Luke Cornett, uh, the big from Vanderbilt. Brian, go. Uh, I gotta admit, I've not seen much of Luke Luke Cornett except for one game this year uh, against Kentucky, which uh, he invented. They played pretty well in that game, actually. I'm just happy for Luke Cornett that he doesn't have to play for Kevin Stallings this year. So you know, at least he had that you know, Kevin Stallings <laughs> Pittsburgh. So at least he was able to get one year of college basketball without having to play for that guy. So I'm I'm happy for Luke Cornett, and I wish him the best in the NBA <laughs> or wherever he is next year. Yeah, I, I think Cornette is a, he's a skilled off a seven footer, um, so he's going to get a chance in the NBA. I'm not sure where that is, but you know, I, I just he, at his age, I think he's a second rounder. You know, mm-hmm. the Hornets can look at him then. Hey, he's white, he's big, so he's in the conversation probably. So, um, all right, so Vanderbilt plays Northwestern Thursday, four thirty. We'll check Cornette out. All right, Laurie uh, Markinen. Arizona. Um, now he's not a second round like rapid fire guy, but it's a guy I, I do want to mention real quickly. Uh, another seven footer. Yeah, he can shoot threes. Um, white. He's got a lot. <laughs> white. He's got a lot of skill. Now he is Scandinavian, so we'll give him that. Um, yeah. But but yeah, very very skilled. Not really sure where the ceiling is, but it seems to be extremely high. He's going to be a lottery pick, probably Brian. Yeah, I think so. I think he's a guy that you. I think there's a decent. I think there's a decent chance he could be on the Hornets next year. I think that he's kind of in their draft range. He's a really good offensive player. Uh, he can roll. He can post up. He shoots good percentages on all these actions. And, uh, you know, he's seven feet tall. So, and like you said, he's, he's white. So I mean, he is finished as well. But I, I like, I like, I like uh, Mark Hannon a lot. I think uh, I wouldn't be too upset if he were uh, the Hornets, the Hornets first round pick either. I, I think he has a lot of, uh, there's a lot of good things offensively. Is it Mark Hanen? Is that how you say that? Or, or maybe it's Mark Hanen. I, I'm, Mark, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. So but the problem with it, the problem for me is that like <clears throat> I hear, I hear Bill Walton call a lot of his games, <laughs> and you're like you're like I don't know if I can trust. Uh, yeah, well, Bill Walton's in late, the middle of like a Grateful Dead flash. Right. You know? yeah, yeah. Exactly. I think it's Mark Hanen, Actually, I believe I pronounced it incorrectly as Mark Hanen. Um, it, it looks like it, it look, I believe it's Mark Hanen. It is Mark Hanen. Yeah. Got. Yeah, it's marketing. Okay, all right. Well, all right. So two more guys. We got to go real quickly. Frank yeah. Jackson, Duke. I think he's coming back. Yeah, Brian, is he coming back? I think he's coming back. I would just like to say I think there's a good chance, depending on who else comes back, this guy could be is a is a first team All ACC player a year from now, and like a potential conference player of the year candidate in 2018. I am super high on Frank Jackson as a, as a prospect. I think he's a great 
pick and roll player. If he develops some point guard skills, uh, I think he can play easily play in the NBA. Could not agree more. I, I think this team, uh, look, Kennard, Allen, there's too many guys in this Duke team that need the ball in their hands. Jackson yeah. just hasn't been able to be the pure point guard that he actually is. He hasn't been able to showcase his first step and his speed this year. Couldn't agree with you more. He's going to be a completely different player next year. Everybody's going to say, where was this guy last year? Well, it's because he had to share the ball with all these other ball hogs. So you're going to see a different Frank Jackson in the future. Uh, Dwayne Bacon, FSU, we've talked about him a little bit in the past. He had, a, he had a rough second half of the season, I would say, Brian, and I'm not sure he's going to be a first-round pick now. Nah, I don't think so, unfortunately. I, I love Bacon as a player, but like you said, he, he slumped a little bit as the uh, as the year went along, and FSU as a team kind of kind of backslid a little bit. But um, he's a guy that if you got him in the second round, assuming he does come out, and I think he will, uh, you can't be too upset about it because uh, I think he I think he has a high ceiling. But um, you know he he torched the cat the Virginia earlier this year hit a huge shot uh, that won a game for them in in Charlottesville. But uh, yeah, Bacon unfortunately I think I think he's just regressed a little bit as the years gone along. I'm still uh, a fan of Dwayne Bacon and not just because of the name. Yeah, he's a phenomenal name. But yeah, he just doesn't Bacon just doesn't get the benefit of the doubt because he's you know he's almost he's 21 and a half years old. Yeah. Uh, you know, he's a six, five wing, you know, he's, he's not a point guard. He's not an extremely great creator. So like at that age, which is really more the point, like he just, he's not going to get the benefit of the doubt. Now Florida state makes final full run and he leads the way we're having a different conversation, but right. that can be said for a lot of these guys. All right. Well, fellas, it, Hey it Spencer, really Spencer and uh, Brian, and I, yeah. let me ask you guys a question yeah. before we go. This is totally random. Well, not random. It's March madness. I have a question about guys. I've always wondered this. How do you guys fill out your brackets? Do you guys do it round by round, section by section, seed by seed? I know that's kind of random. Uh, so I I do it round by round, and you're hearing my office phone ring because I have this stupid nine o'clock <laughs> meeting. Uh, so I got to go in a second. But I, you know, I do it round by round, um, and I always go into the tournament with like. This year, there's like 10 teams, I think, who win it all, which is rare. But I always go into the tournament with like six to eight teams. I think, okay, here are the teams I really like. I'm going to find a way to move them through one way or another. Uh, it's worked some years. It's backfired other years. But that's kind of how I approach it. Um, I actually split the difference. I do two brackets. I do one round by round, and I do one start to finish. They're both usually terrible, and my life is in shambles by the end of the tournament. But, you know, uh, it's fun, I guess, at the start at least, to fill them out. All right. Awesome. Richie, does that help you in your bracket filling out strategy? You know, I've always wondered because I've sometimes done it round by round, sometimes done it by, you know, east, west, midwest, south. I've just randomly done it. Gotcha. Well, it should be fun, guys. I think this is going to be the, one of the better NCAA tournaments we've seen uh, in a long time. Number one, I think because there's a phenomenal amount of prospects uh, that can do themselves a lot of favor climbing up draft boards and uh, you know, number two, I, I just think there's a lot of teams that can win the national championship and that makes it always, that always makes it more fun. So yep. look, uh, Brian, I appreciate you coming on my man. I'm sorry. We kind of got a rush and cut it short, no uh, problem, <clears throat> but as you know, life happens. Um, look, um, we will definitely have you on again before the draft, uh, hopefully a couple times, cause these are some of the most fun conversations I've had since cool. we've been doing Buzzbeat, and oh, uh, Richie as always. Oh, come on, Richie. You know, I love you, man. You don't, don't take offense to that. Come on. <laughs> Um, but look, we are a member of the Almighty Baller Podcast Network. Please uh, check out abpn.com uh, for all of their cool podcasts. If you're a basketball fan, no matter what you like, college, pros, you got a certain team, you play fantasy, whatever it is, man, ABPN Network has it. So please go check that out. 
Um, and we're going to keep bringing out good stuff. All right, sounds good. Uh, yeah, you can find me on Twitter at bguys underscore uh, b i b i r d underscore bguysbird. Uh, I might need to change up my handle a little bit there. I made this a long time ago, but you can find me on Twitter there. I'm usually tweeting nonsense about the Hornets and ACC basketball. You can find my work at accsports.com at the ACC analytics page. I do a lot of uh, nerdy ACC basketball writings there. And all of my NBA stuff, mostly about the Hornets, you can find at Sports Channel 8. So accsports.com and Sports Channel 8, you can find me at both those places. And again, thanks for having me on, guys. I really appreciate it. It's always a lot of fun. And congrats on uh, the new developments here with the podcast, too. Awesome. Well, thanks, guys. It was a pleasure. Thanks to all the listeners. Enjoy the tournament this week. Don't enjoy the Hornets basketball because it's impossible to do right now. And Richie, sign us off and tell folks where they can find us out on the interwebs. All right, guys, check us out at queencityhoops.com for all our written content, our podcast. Check us out at almightyballer.com for all of our, our podcasts. And if you want to listen to it on the go, uh, you definitely want to download the Stitcher app. Or uh, if you have an iOS uh, device, you can just search us at the podcast app as well, BuzzBeat. So thanks again, Brian, for joining us. Thanks, all BuzzBeat listeners, and go Hornets. Hornets.